This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Um, we're going to begin tonight in the book of Proverbs 14. I'm going I'm to go to Proverbs 14, and then I'll jump to Proverbs 27. I always like to start with Proverbs. Just I encourage you to begin to learn to read the Proverbs on a daily basis. One of the best ways to remember is whatever day of the month it is, just read that Proverbs. There's 31 of them. And so you can get those on 12 times a year, every verse in there, if you'll begin to do that. But tonight, we, we've been talking about the trajectory of faith, and we, we looked at great men and women of the Bible. We look at, like, Joseph. And there's times in our life we say, man, we, we want to experience the things Joseph did, but then again, do I want to do what Joseph did, or do I want to go through what Joseph went through to get there? Now, again tonight, um, I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm not, I'm not here to entertain or anything. Again, I, I know when you talk about, and what I'm getting to is a week ago we talked on sexual sin. I'm back on it again tonight. I thought I'd get off of it, but I didn't. And so, with my heart, I want you to know I, I would rather teach you the truth and let you know the truth than just to, just to talk about love and kindness. And God is a God of love and kindness. But only the truth sets people free. And I can tell you this, sometimes in, in, with truth, it can make you feel uncomfortable. I've been there, I promise you. But again, I, I believe it's important that we see the Word of God, what God says. And so, when it comes to sexual sin... The society around our world, not just America, but everywhere, it's, it's saturated. And when you look at the sexual sins in our society, it's in direct contradiction to the Word of God. And we have a sense that, well, since everybody's doing, it's got to be okay. But it's not okay, all right? Do we believe that lying is okay? No. Lying's, do you believe murder is okay? No, it's not okay. And so these are the same things. And again, God doesn't put up these standards to punish us. God puts them in our lives to bless us, to help us. Because he knows the wages of sin is death. And so sin is very, very, very deceptive. And so is sexual sin. Very deceptive for anyone. So in thinking about that thought right there, sin never shows you the outcome of what takes place. What will I happen? In other words, sin just lives for the moment to gratify the flesh, and it never shows you this is the consequence of it. So you go back and look in King David's life, even with Bathsheba, I believe with all my heart, if David would have fully understood the pain, the sorrow, and the grief he would experience by what he did, he would have never done it. And so, not only did it affect his life, what happens even with sexual sin, it becomes a cycle and it goes down into our family members through a generational deal. And so, just to give you an illustration of how a sexual act that David committed, remember, it started with him looking. He looked, and when I begin to look, I lust, and when I lust, I long for it. And so, after he gets into sexual immorality with Bathsheba, to cover his track, the next thing he has to do is he has her husband Uriah killed. 
So there's murder involved now, besides all the lying. And then the next thing that happens, the baby that Bathsheba was pregnant with, he dies. So then we fast forward a little later on in David's life, and he had more children, and he had a daughter named Tamar, and Tamar was raped by one of his own sons named Amnon. And two years after Amnon raped Tamar, one of the other brothers, Absalom, was so full of rage with what Amnon did to Tamar that Absalom killed Amnon. And so you rewind all that, and again, that night when David saw that with Bathsheba, never in his wild imaginations would he realize what that deception would end up leading to. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man. Seems harmless to a man. Now note, there's a way that seems right to man. He didn't say it seems right to God, but it says it seems right to man. But its end is the way of death. Now, when we see the, the meaning of death here, it, it may not mean physical death. It possibly could, but usually when you see that, it references that you will live a death-like existence. So in reading this verse right here, as a Christian, I'm not exempt from temptation. You're not exempt from temptation. And a lot of times as human beings, we like to say stuff like this, well, What's the do's and the don'ts? Is there's a do and a don't list? Really what a do and a don't list really means to me and you, it means we're asking, so just exactly what can I get away with? Well, what I can get away with to answer that question, you've got to ask yourself is this. What's your destination? In other words... Do I want to walk in the things of the kingdom of God like Joseph did or not? And so again, there's a blessing when I obey and there's a curse when I disobey. Turn just a couple pages to the book of Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27. Now, amen is permitted in here, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It gets real quiet in this. I'm just glad to see some of you came back. You know, I will, I will tell you this. I know as what I do for a living according to James 3. I'm, I'm going to stand before God one day. And he says, you're going to be held at a double standard or a double, double judgment for everything you preach. So I don't mean this ugly, but I fear God a lot more than I fear you guys, okay? So you know what I said? I'm just going to tell them the truth, Father God. I'm, here you go. Amen, Pastor. Thank you. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full. Wow. They're never full. Now, I looked at this in another translation, and it says, Hell and destruction have an incredible appetite. He goes on to end that verse and says, So the eyes of man are never satisfied. So was he telling me? That even my eyes have a certain type of appetite. Lust never, never, never quits. It has an appetite. So my lust can have, a, so my eyes can have a lust of their own. 
And again, the process of talk, what takes place is when I begin to see things with my eye, that eye opens the door to desires and even passions. And we begin to see it over and over again, even in, in Joseph's life. So a, a warning here would be, don't allow your eyes to be the gateway to the lust of your flesh. In other words, it goes back to one of the verses we referenced last week in the book of Job, chapter 31, 1. Job said this, I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. Hmm. Now go into the New Testament to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew 6. And for time's sake, I'm just going to quote this verse to you, but it's a very, very important verse. This is way back in the New Testament. This is 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Verse 16 says, All that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so we must understand that in this realm called earth, The devil has a pull on every one of us. It's like a magnet that never stops, okay? And he goes after every one of us in this room with the lust of the eyes, the lust of our flesh, or the pride of life. And so again, I don't have to live that way. But I'm going to have to purpose in my heart that I don't want to live that way. And number two, say, Father God, grace me. Grace my eyes. Help me today, Lord, help me. Now, again, we're in such a saturated society with sexual stuff that it's, it's very easy to get used to things. I don't believe God ever wants us to get used to things. And what I mean by that, we can see stuff so much that we become calloused. Again, we can rewind. I mean, back in the, the 60s when I was a little guy, if you saw Mr. What was Leave it to Beaver's name, his parents? What? Okay, I hear a bunch of things. Anyhow, man, if you saw Leave it to Beaver's mom and dad even kiss, but that's a big deal. God, they kissed. Well, now, I mean, you look how far we've gone in that time span. And so it's very easy to get used to it, and even TV and movies and you could go to a movie, and one of the things that really, really will help you, I believe, is when you say, whatever I'm doing in life, whether I'm going to a movie or I'm watching a TV show, act like Jesus is with you. Just take Jesus to the movie theater. Now, again, for me to do that, I can be sitting there watching something on a movie theater and look at Jesus and say, hey, no worries, Jesus. They're just going to throw, sew a little skin here. It's okay. And then a few minutes later, look at him and say, Jesus, you need to just chill out. They're going to have a sexual sin here, but it's okay. Again, if we're not careful, we become so calloused and used to those things that it doesn't rock us. But again, when we read this passage that we're getting ready to meet in Matthew 6 right here, it will show you the power of our eyes. Matthew 6. And he uses only two verses, verses 22 and 23 in this. The lamp of the body is the eye. Wow. 
The lamp of the body is the eye. The message says our eyes are windows into our bodies. He goes on to say, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. And when he talks of full of light, he, he's talking, you'll have meaning and purpose. And so it's, it's incredible just right here what Jesus said about your eye and your body. So you know what he just told me and you? My eye has the ability to direct or influence my whole body. Again, it just shows me how visual we become and what happens. Now, again, even in my own life, I've I've had to guard my eyes in incredible ways because I take you back into my teenage years, how I opened the door to a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have. So very seldom do I go to a movie because most movies don't show uh, always great things. I've been with other pastors and they've looked at me and say, do you not like going to movies? And I say, I like going to movies. But I said, you know what? I struggled in an area of my life 30 years ago. And I said, you know what? Jesus has set me free from that. So I don't want to open the door back to it. And I will tell you, I become very visual. And I believe all of us are, especially men. And so when I get an image in my mind through what I see with my eyes, I have a hard time getting rid of that. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. And guess what? None of us are exempt. Keep reading. But if your eye is bad, and what he means by bad is the things you allow yourself to see, your whole body will be full of darkness. You will be deprived of meaning. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You pull the blinds on your windows or your eyes. How dark of a life you will live. And so literally when I read this, Jesus is telling me what I allow my eyes to lock in on is going to influence my body. It's going to influence my action. So when I put lust and stuff, sexual images in front of my eyes, get ready. It's going to lead to darkness. And again, I knew this wouldn't be popular, but still, it's the truth. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so again, everything I watch with my eyes, it becomes a choice. I don't have to watch things. And again, it's, it's the lust of the eyes that is so crazy in our society right now. It's, it's put out there constantly. Just constantly. But again, as a, as a believer, as a Christian, I can say, you know what, Lord? I ask you to grace my eyes tonight. I ask you to help me tonight. And again, man, his grace is an empowerment. It's sent to help us. And, and the thing is, if, if I don't deal with lust, the lust of my eyes, and what I mean by deal with it, if I don't repent from it, and I don't turn from it and ask Jesus to help me and grace me, I'm going to tell you, you're going to, have, you're going to have to satisfy that appetite. Something will ultimately happen with every one of us. I'm going to get a little political on you here. We're in this election deal. And I'll stand before you tonight and I'll tell you, I wish we could raise Ronald Reagan from the dead. But that's not going to happen. 
And so I look at the two choices. Now, I've hardly watched any of these last debates because they make me about want to throw up to see people in our own land act like they do, both of them, okay? But we see the stuff that breaks on Donald Trump the other day, and I, I sit there and I look at it, and I can tell you this, every one of us in this room, We've all done stuff and said stuff that we'd be embarrassed about if everyone knew about it. So the issue isn't if we've sinned or done something wrong. The issue is how we respond to it. Would you agree? So the other night, before the the debate, there's a man named Tony Perkins. Tony Perkins loves Jesus. He loves the things of God. He was asked this question right here, and it was said to him, he said, So in this debate, when they bring this up about Donald Trump, should he go after Bill Clinton and say, but Bill did this and Bill did that and Bill did this? Tony Perkins' remark was incredible to me. You know what he said? Absolutely not. He said, that's the problem with our society. It's very easy to blame other people. It's very easy to look at other people and say, they've done worse than I have. And you know what he said? He needs to stand up and take ownership for what he did and repent and ask people to forgive him. And I thought, wow, brilliant. Brilliant, okay? That's the same for me and you. I mean, again, if I'm running for election, they go back into my teenage years and they dig up all the stuff on me. I'd stand and say, I'm guilty. I did it, okay? And so it's the same for every one of us. But the point in this is, I need to turn from that. Not only to repent, but I say, Father God, help me to turn from that. And I can live holy before God. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse 1. I'm in Timothy, so give me a second. The Apostle Paul said, Finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us, how you ought to walk and how you ought to please God. Now what the Apostle Paul saying, I'm going to teach you what it looks like to live as a godly man or woman in this earth. Verse 2. For you know what commandments, what instructions, what charges or directions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So right here, He sets the standard and he says, this is what the Lord Jesus wants us to do. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Understand this, the word sanctification has a couple meanings. One means to be set apart, but in this passage here, the word sanctification literally means holiness. Now, do you think the apostle Paul would have said, that we need to live sanctified or holiness if it wasn't possible? It's possible. He goes on to say this. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. You should stay away from sexual sin. The word abstain there means to willfully hold back. So I believe this is how it looks. When I willfully say, Father God, I'm going to do my best, but i got to have your grace and i got to have your help. Now, why would he say to abstain from sexual immorality if it wasn't a bad thing? 
He knows the consequences of it. So to run a sexual red light, it's costly. It's expensive. It causes great pain and grief. Verse 4. That each one of you, me and you, should know how to possess his own vessel, to control his own body in sanctification and honor, in holiness. Now, as I read that verse this morning, it was cross-referenced into Romans chapter 6 and verse 19. I, I, I turned there real quick because this was so good. Listen to what this says. I speak in him... him I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawless, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So you know what he said? And there was a time in your life you lived under your flesh, but he's saying now, present yourself before God and say, Father God, I've blown it, but I ask your help. And God loves to help us when we call out to him. Verse number five. Not in passion of love or lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Not like the Gentiles, people that don't even know God. Don't let that be your model. That no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but he did call us to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but he rejects God. So again, I'm not rejecting human reasoning and human teaching. I'm rejecting the very oracles of God that God created every one of us. And he said, this is how I desire you to live. He ends this and he says, Who am I also given, who also has given us the Holy Spirit? So you know what he's telling me? He's saying the Holy Spirit will help you. You go back and you look when the Lord Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven. He said, boys, I'm going to send you a helper called the Holy Spirit. When you look at the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. These only come from his help. One of the, they're all great. There are nine of them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness, or, or uh, humility. There's one in there in the middle called self-control. What would begin to happen is if we begin to say, Oh, Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me self-control today. I ask you to help me. Now, I'm going to tell you, these are things that I have to do in my own life. That I put a hedge up around me and I say, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. Give me self-control. Again, God will help us when we begin to say, I don't want to do those things. I'll end with this tonight. 1 John chapter 5, way back there in the back. 1 John chapter 5. We got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Again, I've been on both sides of this coin, okay? I don't throw rocks at anybody, but I do believe this is very important. 
And I believe it's very important for our teenagers and our young to just all ages to continue to hear this because this never ends, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm in my 50s and I can go to the mall and oh my gosh. I got to stay away from Victoria's Secret, just the stinking posters on the wall. They'll mess with me. You say, are you serious? I'm serious. I don't, I don't want to see those images, okay? Let me read this before I really get in trouble tonight. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and is in, in him is no darkness at all. None. Zero. If we say that we have fellowship with God, but we walk in darkness or we sin, we lie. One translation says, we are lying through our teeth and we don't live what we claim to be powerful. We lie and do not practice the truth. Woo! And this is powerful right here. So really what he's saying here... Are you doing things in the darkness that you would be ashamed of in the light? So here's a good response again. Do I do things that I need to hide to do? Are there things that I do secretive? Are there things that I do at night when no one else would see it? So again, when I do those things and they're secretive, it's a pretty good thought I'm doing something I know in my heart I shouldn't be doing. And so at that point, do I obey that conviction or not? Now, if, again, I'll use the analogy, if, if you think pornography is so great, then why don't you just watch it in front of everybody? And there may be people to do that. If it's not wrong to live in adultery, then why do you sneak around to do it? Why don't you just bring them home and introduce them to your wife? See how that flies. Better have a good policy. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light, and what he's talking about walking in the light, is we need to live accountably to God. And if I've had issue in my life, get another person in your life that will hold you accountable. And they can come up to you and say, how you been doing in this area? And you don't get offended. Why do you always ask? You think I'm wrong? Again, it's important that we allow people to speak into our lives. And he ends with this, and this is so good. But if we walk in the light as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the blood is the agency for, for forgiving. It's for cleansing. It's for redemption. And so again, if I've sinned in these areas, I come before God and I say, Father God, I repent. And I ask you to cleanse me and I ask you to wash me. And again, I start living my life under the blood of Jesus. And so this is what's happening in our lives. But again, if I want to go to the destination that God has for me, just like Joseph, remember, he had that incredible dream. But when you go and you start looking at Joseph's life, there were test after test after test that he, he, he had to keep going through and passing to get there. 
And so it's the same for me and you. God has great things for every one of us. But when I don't pass those tests, then I get stopped right here. And you know what God does? God doesn't look at us when we flunked that test 33 times and we're now 56 years old. And he says, send him to the principal so they'll just pass him through. I'm tired of seeing God doesn't do that. God doesn't pass us, but you know what God does give us the freedom to do? He says, I'm going to give you another chance to retake the test. And guess what? When I begin to pass the test of God, he begins to move me. He begins to move me. So when you look at everything that Joseph did, test after test, I will tell you, this was the purity test for him. And you remember, when when, um, Potiphar's wife grabbed him, what did he do? He ran. He fleed. He fleed. Again, it's a good sign for me and you. I've got to run from that temptation. I will tell you, next week we'll get on patience. Maybe. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.